Hey, sis. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. Now, real quick before we get into the show, did you know that this podcast is a spinoff from a book that I wrote? Yes. Mom Keys to Mental Peace, 12 Tips to Become a Healthy Mom and Raise Healthy Children. In this book, I share my story about how I identified toxic patterns of thinking about life and motherhood. I share how God helped me to transform by the renewal of my mind. I didn't want to keep this revelation to myself, so I packaged it in a book to share how you can transform your mindset and lifestyle too. This book is for anyone who desires to break unhealthy generational patterns in their family, want to build healthier and stronger relationships with their children, or for anyone who wants to overcome the battle of negative thoughts in their mind. After reading this book, you will learn how to gain confidence in who you are as a mother, handle unhealthy thinking patterns when they appear in your mind, and position yourself to achieve mom-life balance. This book is available wherever books are sold, and the link will be in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. So hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's Tuesday Talk. My name is Tari Kaya Allen Butler. Yes, <laughs> I am recently married, so got to add that Mrs. Butler on the end there. And what I do is teach millennial moms how to gain confidence in who they are as a mother and build healthy relationships with their children. So if you are a mama that did not come from a healthy um, family and you don't have an example of that, we come here and we talk with each other and we share topics and conversations and ideas and strategies and tips on how we can get to a healthier place. So our goal for everything that we talk about here is to become a progressing mother, not a perfect mother, because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Anybody who has told you that or feels like they are, or if you feel like that is the goal you're trying to get to, unrealistic. We are here to be progressing mothers, to be progressing parents. So we are jumping into a new topic today. I'm a little nervous <laughs> and excited um, to talk on this topic today because I do understand that in sharing our stories, sharing our testimonies, that it can be um, a light at the end of the tunnel for somebody else. It can give revelation to somebody else. Um, there's nothing that we go through in life that is void and that God cannot use. So that is what my story will represent today as I talk to you all. So today's Tuesday talk is called How Toxic Relationships Affect Your Children. How Toxic Relationships Affect Your Children. Welcome, welcome to everybody hopping on. How y'all doing? Happy Tuesday. All right, so let's jump right into it. I got some statistics here for you. So the um, motivation behind me sharing this talk is um, the month of October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. 
And um, I just wanted to honor all the women who have been through domestic violence situations. Um, again, I will share my background and story of dealing with that, not realizing how common that it is. And I think maybe it's a little too common that we may think that it's normal um, for families and relationships to go through domestic violence. So that's what we'll be talking about today. So how common is domestic violence? More than 15 million children in the U.S. live in a home where domestic violence has happened at least one time. So that's a really, really huge number. 15 million children have been in a home where domestic violence has happened at least one time. Now, when you hear the word domestic violence, I'm not sure about you, but I automatically go to like, physical fighting, pushing, and things like that, like getting hands put on. But there are different um, types of balances that can be considered domestic, and it kind of breaks down into the different types of abuse that people can encounter. So one of the first um, abuses that people can encounter is emotional or mental abuse. Um, they kind of go hand in hand when I did my research. Um, I saw a lot of similarities, so I just kind of combined them. So what is emotional and mental abuse? It is a way to control another person by using emotions to criticize, embarrass, shame, blame, or manipulate the other person. The overall goal of emotional and mental abuse is to control the victim by discrediting them, isolating them, or silencing them. All right, very heavy stuff there. So maybe you or someone you know, um, you've seen in this type of abusive situation. Um, I can think back on an example of some people that I know where once they got into a relationship, their guy kind of kept them away from their friends, um, didn't want them speaking to <laughs> Their friends didn't want them interacting with their friends. It was just all about him in that moment. So reading this, this really goes to show that there was some emotional and mental abuse there because there was isolation. Um, there was silencing. You can't talk to your friends. You can't talk to your family. Your whole being and everything should be about me. So if you or someone you know is in a situation like that, that sounds similar to that, they are in an abusive situation. They are in an abusive relationship and specifically emotional and mental abuse. Um, another form of abuse that um, people can encounter is physical abuse. And again, like I said, this is the main one that I thought of when I think, when I hear the word domestic violence. So physical abuse is any intentional act causing injury or trauma to another person by way of bodily contact. So that's your hitting, your slapping, your pushing, biting, pinching, cutting, whatever. Intentional physical um, contact with another person's body. So if you or someone you know is in a relationship where you are being physically hit and abused on a regular basis in front of your children, that is not healthy. That is not safe. And we will go further. Um, the more that I talk, I'll give tips on what you can possibly do if you are in that situation. Um, the next type of abuse is verbal. 
And when I did my research on this, it did kind of sound similar to that emotional and mental, like it all kind of ties together. So specifically, some verbal abuse can be yelling, name calling, blaming, and threatening um, your partner or your partner threatening you. So this is like the whole name calling and stuff, like maybe you're being called fat, you're being called ugly, blame for things that you know for a fact you didn't do, and you know that the other person is just trying to get a reaction or knows once you get mad that that's a pass for them to go off and do something threatening you, that they'll kill you, they'll that they'll hurt you or cause harm to you. All things like that are labeled as verbal abuse. And the last form of abuse um, that I found in my research is sexual abuse, which is abusive behavior from one person to another by force or taking advantage of the person sexually and unwillingly. So this is, to me, just downright rape. <laughs> if you're being sexually abused or someone that you know, if you're being forced to um, be involved in some type of sexual contact or exploit it sexually and you don't want it to happen, this is a form of sexual abuse, okay? So the different types were emotional, mental, physical, verbal, and sexual, all right? So if you are someone who is involved in these type of abuses or someone that you know and they are a family or they have kids around, the kids are affected by this. And I know that um, I posted in the post today, you know, the kids may not physically be involved in the abuse that I name, but if they are around that environment or with an earshot or an eye view of what's going on, those seeds from those abuse incidences are falling onto those kids. They're seeing it, they're taking it in. It's becoming a part of who they are and building their makeup for how they view the world, how they view people, how they interact with people. It all matters. So what are the short and long-term effects on kids who are exposed to this type of abuse? So kids who are exposed to violence are likely to be abused themselves. So maybe you or someone you know was in a situation where the kids are being spoken to and abuse, um, verbally abused. Maybe the kids are being emotionally and mentally abused. And God forbid, I don't even like to talk about stuff like this. Maybe the kids are being sexually abused. So abuse doesn't just affect, like I said, the people involved. Sometimes this can be a sign that the kids are involved too. And I would say that this is a very high, severe level of abuse and domestic violence going on in the home if these things are being done to the child. Um, some signs that a child may be abused is if they are very fearful or anxious, or some children just can become numb completely. No emotional reaction, no, um, no just no type of reaction at all to trauma or abuse or neglect of that matter because they have become immune and becoming numb kind of is a, um, what's the word, a coping strategy that they have come up with. Again, some kids are very fearful or anxious. So that's where you get like your antsy children. 
um, where you see those nerves really working in them. So I have some examples broken down of how this will show up in kids based on their age. So in preschool kids, if they are exposed to violence, you may see um, them react to the violence by wetting the bed more, sucking their thumb, excessive whining or crying, having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, or separation anxiety. So this is what you will see in those younger babies that preschool age, some of those behaviors there um, if they are exposed to abuse. For school-age kids, you may see that their self-esteem is affected, that they kind of have less friends or hard time making friends, and that they get in trouble often in school. And I will say, during my research and as I'm older and just thinking back on my childhood trauma and things, I can think about some of these characteristics that I saw in people that I went to school with. Um... And we were just so mean, y'all, for no reason, like picking on people for getting in trouble, for a lack of ability to make friends, for their appearance. And clearly, there was something going on at home with the adults. They were just a kid who happened to be in the environment and were coming to school and doing the best that they could. I actually see it more, too, um, once I became a teacher in the schools. And I just started to think back, like, man, such and such had been going through at home or they really must have been having a hard time. And here we are just young, dumb and naive picking on people. <laughs> so this is something to talk about with your kids. You know, you don't have to go into details about all the abuse, but maybe just talk to your kids about there are some people's, there are some kids' homes who aren't as safe and loving as yours. And they may need to, you know, have some type of grace shown to them, some type of kindness. You know, you never know what anybody is going through. Yes, Danisha, I see you said you're guilty of this. Yes. And it really breaks my heart to think about this. But again, we were young, dumb and naive and just really had no clue about the effects of what we were doing. And in the older kids, like your teenage level, you may see more fighting skipping school, um, early exposure to sex, drugs. They may have a hard time making friends. They may be bullied or be a bully themselves um, and being mean to other kids. And again, I could think back on this. Some people that were big, bad bullies, constantly getting into altercations with people, always with some type of drama going on, more than likely, as a kid, they couldn't control that. There was something going on at home to where they were exposed to that level of violence. So they were just acting out what their environment um, had installed into them. So whenever a child is exposed to domestic violence in the home, there is um, a greater risk for repeating this cycle in adulthood. So this goes to those generational cycles that which our overall goal is to break and unlearn unhealthy cycles. So this may be something that you or someone that you know was exposed to and is a generational curse. This may be something your grandmother dealt with, her mother, her mother's mother. Like this thing, it goes back so far. It's so heavy. So, for example, a boy who saw his mom abused as a child is 10 times more likely 
to abuse the woman that he is with. So some ladies, maybe you should have that conversation. Or if you know someone, they need to have that conversation with their significant other. Did you see your mom abused? Did you experience abuse in your home and your family? That could be a reason that abuse is um, in the forefront right now in your home. And as far as women or girls who saw their mom abused, they are six times more likely to be with a man who abuses her. Again, this stuff is generational. You saw your mom abused you're going to most likely pick up a man that is um, similar to that. Maybe your mom saw your grandma abused. It goes further back to that. So again, all of this is generational and all of this makes sense. Um, there is also a greater risk for mental health issues such as anxiety and depression, which all boils down to trauma. If you're in a home where domestic violence and fighting and abuse and all of this is going on as a kid, these are traumatic events. <laughs> you, Your mind and your body and everything is going through trauma. So again, you may see an increase in anxiety and depression. And how common are those words now? I mean, almost everybody is dealing with some form of anxiety or depression and maybe your childhood story or exposure to um, domestic violence has something to do with that. All right, so testimony time, <laughs> where I get to share my experience with domestic violence. So I would say, do y'all remember, I know y'all do, the whole Chris Brown and Rihanna incident. I'm not sure how many years ago it was. It was a while ago. But he came out with a documentary a few years ago on Netflix where he um, went into details about that whole night and whole incident. So listening to it, first off, he started with that they were only 18 years old, 18 and 19 years old. I didn't realize that they were that young when that incident happened. Then, you know, he said that they were arguing in the car and the argument escalated and it got physical with them. And there was one key thing that he said that um, stuck out to me was that pretty much they were the two perfect storms that came together at the wrong time. And it just created this mega storm, this huge storm. So listening to that, listening to his age, listening to the situation, I think she thought he was cheating or something, going through his phone, like these are just typical events <laughs> that happen when you're young, when you're in a relationship. And I was able to see his heart and see that situation like, he's not this monster that everyone pointed him out to be. And no way am I saying that it's okay to put your hands on a woman or a woman to put her hands on a man. That's not what I'm saying. But when he shared that, I was able to see his heart like, Yo, dude was a baby. <laughs> and so was she. These were babies trying their best to move forward in a relationship. And like he said, they were just the two perfect storms that came together at the wrong time and everything just blew up. So we saw the effects that this had on his career, on her career, just everybody in their business, everything all exposed. And I was able to see myself in that situation. So with me and my 
husband, when we were teenagers, we had been together since we were 16. Well, 15 years old, because I got pregnant at 16 and had my son at 17. So we were together a year before he was born. So some of the same things that I just explained in that story, there were arguments and issues about infidelity and cheating on a regular basis. Like this is just what our conversations were. Toxic, not healthy at all. Again, we were babies, we were children. So our reasoning and mindset were not in a healthy or mature place to handle situations such as that. So I had a trauma response to any time that I felt disrespected. I was coming for the jugular. I was low blown with my words and arguments, verbal abuse. I could text something up. I could <laughs> talk something up on the phone, just low blowing, just going in on how awful of a person you are. I don't want to deal with you no more. You this, you that, like just constantly going in. Um, I have had my fair shares of pull-ups, of damage of property, of lying, of cheating, of stalking people on social media, like just a whole whirlwind of toxicity and mess. And again, at this time, as we are kids, it just seemed normal or it just seemed like, well, this is what you do when you're upset. This is what you do when you're angry or when you aren't getting your way or when things are going wrong or when somebody disrespects you. This is how you respond back. You come back at them with the same energy or times 10. And that was the approach of our relationship. Either things were really, really good or really, really bad. <laughs> there was no in-between at all. Completely toxic, completely unhealthy. Um, I just shared a post on Facebook um, that I saw where it was like, you know, I want a daughter, but at the same time, I don't like when things don't go my way or don't add up. And I like to do 2 a.m. drive-bys and pull-ups and slashing tires and all of that. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> that has been me. It is not funny, y'all. It's not funny. That has been me. I've done my share of pull-ups. I have done my share of keying cars. I haven't slashed tires. I had the knife to do it, but I was too scared to do it. <laughs> but I have key cars, um, just toxic, toxic, back and forth energy. And like I said, at the time, it just seemed normal. <laughs> Brandy, I see you laughing. Some of y'all on here can relate. I know I'm not by myself. You ain't got to say nothing in the comments, but I know <laughs> we have been there at some point or you know somebody who has, okay? Toxic, toxic days. Um, in the midst of all of this going on, and I will say around this time, it was just my oldest son. So I did not have my daughter or um, my new baby yet. So my heart breaks for him and all the things that he was exposed to <laughs> at that time, because it really is sad. So whenever we were in our really low moments, um, I did not know how to handle it well. I did not have healthy coping strategies for high ranges of anger or low um, moments of sadness. So there will be times where I would be in my room for hours at a time, just like boo-hoo crying, boo-hoo crying on the phone, talking junk on the phone, trying to reach out to him. He's not picking up. The fact of me being ignored is making it even worse. And here my baby is, or my son is in the living room by himself 
or in his room by himself while I'm in my room, just a whole emotional mess and not able to be there for him or be a mom or even focus on him because I'm too laser focused on this toxic relationship and trying to throw up my toxicity and wondering why it's not being reciprocated. Just a whole mess going on. So, you know, in my healing and looking back, I realized that this was the example of that I received from my household on how to handle um, extreme anger or low sadness. I can remember my mom being in her room for hours at hours at a time. Either she was asleep or she was sad. I don't know what was going on, but I do remember just kind of fending for myself in the house. I mean, I knew where the snacks and stuff were. I knew how to make my own food. But for the most part, she was just in her room. Um, and also I realized that I had high expectations for um, my husband back then on the relationship. I needed him to make me happy. I needed him to validate my worth in the relationship because at that time I did not have any self-worth. I felt like if I was in a relationship with somebody, then I was worthy or I was doing good or I was popping or whatever. And anytime that we weren't together or they were considering someone else, it would just shatter me so bad. And this high rages of anger or low levels of sadness would just come out of me that I could not control it all. Toxic, toxic, toxic. Just a whole mess. So how does this affect um, our children? So later, <laughs> I had a conversation with um, my bishop. I'm so grateful for him and his wisdom and his leadership. Um, I was there in a counseling session for something completely different. And somehow we got on the topic of my son and his behavior in school. So. Um, my oldest son, Jameer, was having issues with focusing, with behavior, like he was always on red, always on yellow. He was getting in trouble when he got home. School was just not a good experience for us. Um, they always talked about him not being able to focus, that if they tried to help him, he would become defensive and angry. And I'm just like, where is all of this coming from? Why is he acting like this? So it wasn't until I had a um, counseling session with my bishop. And I brought that up to him that he pointed out, well, maybe he's behaving that way because of what he's been exposed to at the house. And it was just like a light bulb went off in my head or the scales on my eyes that I could not see had failed. like, oh my gosh, you're right. He has seen me and his dad go back and forth. I have put him in the car with me at 2 a.m., riding around the city, looking for people, pulling up at houses, being ratchet. Like he was exposed to all of this and it was coming out in the classroom. And I had no idea that, wow, it was because of our behavior and our actions that, you know, this is the way that he was showing up in the classroom. So um, also I noticed that um, my son will become numb in the times that we were violent or arguing or angry with each other. It was just like he knew what to do whenever high rages of anger happened. He would just go in his room and shut the door, watch TV or play the game. That was his coping strategy for those moments. And like I said, it just, my heart just breaks for him. 
um, now that I'm older and and look back on those situations, but this is why we have grace. This is why we have mercy. This is why we have growth <laughs> um, to apologize for things like this. But my again, my heart breaks for him. All of that was crazy. And I'm so grateful for growth and for the revelation that I was able to receive and implement those strategies to move towards a healthier lifestyle, um, especially in our relationship. So how can you cope with toxic relationship issues in your home? So the first step is self-evaluation. That's the first step. You have to figure out the source of your anger. So why are you so angry? Is it due to substance abuse, some type of alcohol or drugs? Is it childhood trauma that you've been through? Or is it unrealistic expectations that you have on your partner? These are things that I had to look at myself and really figure out about. You can do this through journaling. I love, love journaling. I highly recommend that. And there's been some deep things that I've wrote out. I just needed to get out and I ripped it up and threw it away so that nobody would ever see it. So if you feel like you've got to write out and get some ugly stuff that you've been through that maybe nobody knows about, or you haven't really addressed or thought about for a while, that may be a strategy for you to try. So first step is to have a self-evaluation, figure out the source of your anger. All right. The second thing that you can do to cope with um, a toxic relationship is to have a plan in place when you have heated arguments and conversations. So maybe you can have a safe word. If any of you have watched Kevin Hart, <laughs> um, when he was saying like, if him and his wife are doing something and it's a little too much for him, he might shout out pineapples. <laughs> so y'all might need a safe word. If you see the conversation is going left, it's getting tense, it's getting heated. All right, pineapples, pineapples. We need to back out. We need to pause. We need to stop right now. Time out before this goes um, to left. Make it a rule and a priority to not argue and fight in front of your children. Um, try to wait until your children are not around or in another area. Now, I'm not saying that any little disagreement you have, wait and you know don't talk about it in front of the kids. But if it's something pretty heated, pretty personal or an adult topic, wait until you all are not around the children. I can't think of how many inappropriate arguments and conversations I've had in front of my kids. And it's just like, once that stuff is said, it's no taking it back. Once it's out there, it's out there. So try to have that time and that place where y'all have those high conversations somewhere else out of the sight and earshot of your kids, okay? And last but not least, what you can do to cope with toxic relationships is have somebody that you can talk to and tell about what's going on. Don't feel ashamed or embarrassed. Um, and if you're the receiving end, again, this is for maybe somebody you know. If somebody comes to you and tells you like, you know, I'm in a domestic violence relationship, this, that, and a third has happened to me. Um, don't judge them and don't go off spreading all their business. I know there's a domestic violence commercial on BET. Um, and the lady made one point that stuck out to me that 
domestic violence is not a, a tea party conversation. It's not a, you know, new gossip um, topic to go around and share with girl. You know, I heard he be tagging her head and doing all this. No, no, no. If somebody comes to you with that, be that safe place for them that they can trust you. Maybe they don't feel okay enough to go to a safe haven or a family member and they feel like, okay, well, I can come to her and tell her. Be that safe place for them and don't judge them and don't go off and tell their business. And if you are the person in the abusive, on the abusive side, you find somebody that you can trust and talk to about these things as well. Somebody that you know is not going to run out and tell your business, that's not going to judge you or make fun of you or make light of the situation, okay? The enemy wants you to be in a place of shame and embarrassment and not say anything at all. But again, you have to find those people that you can feel safe enough to share that information with. Um, now, if you do have a moment where maybe there was a high argument or physical altercation at home, um, maybe try talking to your child's teacher or the guidance counselor. You don't have to go all into details. But maybe just give a heads up like, you know, last night was a rough night for little Johnny. Could you um, have a little more grace with him today? Or this may be the reason why he does X, Y, Z. Okay. And if it's really, really bad and you feel like you need to escape or somebody that you may know, there is a um, domestic violence outreach that we have here in San. I'm speaking from Sanford, North Carolina. But you can just Google domestic violence outreach um, and those resources will come up. But the one that we have here in Sanford is called Haven. And the number for that is 919-774-8923. Okay. All right. So that is all that I have for you all today. I pray that, you know, my story that I shared and the tips that I share resonates with you. Maybe you can share it with somebody else who needs it, share this video with them, share this information with them. Um, we've just got to do better as a whole. I feel like we can. Um, we've just got to figure out our issues and our mess and put in the work to do better and be better together because it is possible. All right. If anyone is interested in purchasing a book, I do have some on hand. Just inbox me on Facebook. I will leave um, the link in the comments and on Instagram, the link is in my bio. Um, thank you, Donisha. I appreciate you. Yes. All right. So that's all I have for you all. I hope you have a good night and a happy Tuesday. Bye.